0: Voting Catholic, hacker style. Stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Have Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's the Catholic Hack with Joe McLean.
1: Take, this, Take this, all you, this, all of you, and eat it. And eat it. This is this my is body, body, which body, will be given up, given up for you.
0: 1 Peter 3.15. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks
1: you. For a reason, for your hope. Take this, Take this, all, of you, this all of you, and drink. And drink, and drink. This is this the cup is of my, blood, of my blood, blood, the blood of the, the new blood, and everlasting, everlasting covenant. covenant. It will be shed, will be for, shed you for, for you and for all, so that sins sin may sin be forgiven. The
2: church of the living
0: God, the pillar and foundation of truth. First Timothy three
1: fifteen. Do this, Do this in memory, in memory of. Memory, of
0: Welcome back to The Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and this is a very special Catholic Hack podcast. Today I bring you a roundtable discussion on voting Catholic. It's that time. We are just days away from a very, very critical juncture in this country. And I think it's so important for us to talk about what it means to be voting Catholic. And to do just that, I brought some special guests in, and we... We conducted a a live uh, roundtable discussion last week over Ustream, and we did have some Ustream listeners, and that was a real blessing. And so I want to bring that to you. This discussion is a very long one, so I'm going to break it up into two parts, and this will be part one, and I will make available part two right away. And it's really critical that you take the time between now and November 4th to listen to this. It's so important. What does it mean to vote Catholic If you have not heard this material, I'm telling you, you must listen. It's critical. And I want to warn you up up front that though there is some technical difficulties, one of our connections was very spotty at times, and so the person is going to come in and out in the conversation, and it's regrettable and unfortunate, but that's what happens when you're trying to proclaim the truth of the gospel, and the devil doesn't want to hear it. And so I ask your patience to bear through that and to listen intently, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Let us begin with a, a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, glorious and wondrous God, creator of all the universe, we come before you and praise your holy name. And we seek your will, not our will, not our opinion, not our desire or intent, but yours. What is your will? your desire, your intent for our lives. We pray that you'll send forth your Holy Spirit to be upon us, to give us the knowledge and the wisdom that we need to proclaim your glory in a dark world, to be light, set on a hill for all to see, and not hidden under a bushel basket, but to proclaim your glory boldly, even in the face of those who do not want to hear it, even in the face of tyranny and oppression. God have mercy on us and give us this grace. Teach us your holy will, not our will, but thy will be done. We seek the intercession of our blessed lady in this crucial election that life will be preserved at the highest of priorities. O holy lady, whisper the names of all those Must vote in this election, into the ear of your Son. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this is a long conversation, so we've really got to get started. We're going to roll up our sleeves, and we're going to dive deep. And we're gonna get into the truth about voting Catholic
2: you want answers I think I'm entitled you want answers! I want the truth you can't handle the truth this school and I said even just a little bit I get hit with the power that made prevail in the temple split when I submit all on the floor and the door, can't get enough got to come back to some more.
1: hey we've got a problem here in irritant, benefit in the school Roger that. As the
2: incense rises up in adoration of the throne, something happens to my wounded heart from all the love revealed and shown bright, like Shakina, comes to my hands and
1: persists to change and sustain the way I think it exists, to feel the bliss, because my name is
2: in the book of life's list, that's what happens when you sit in the school of the Eucharist. Mr. Emmett, take her down.
0: Make your death one five zero feet, ten degree down bubble. One five zero feet, ten degree down bubble. I sir. Dive, dive, dive. This is a special podcast session. We're live on Ustream tonight, so I want to say hello to all those who are with us on Ustream. And tonight we're talking about voting Catholic, and we've got some really great guests for you tonight. Tonight we have Josh LeBlanc from the Catholic Underground. Hi, Josh.
2: Hey, Joe. It's my pleasure to be here this evening.
0: We've also got Adam Andresio from the Theotokos podcast. Hi, Adam.
1: How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Well, guys, we have quite a task to do tonight. Tonight, we need to talk about what it means to vote Catholic. I think we've all seen a lot of the going back and forth over the Internet and over the TV and the radio and all the hype that's going on right now in in Catholic and non-Catholic circles about the upcoming presidential election. And I thought it was very important for us podcasters to really talk about this topic, to really tackle it, and to show what does the church teach about this. There's been quite a bit of uh, scuttlebutt out there and some confusion, I I think, as well. So I hope tonight to sort of clarify some points and, and really share the beauty of church teaching on this subject. So, you know, without any further ado, we're just going to roll up our sleeves and we're just going to dive right in. And to get us started, I want to invite Josh from the Catholic Underground to talk about the five non-negotiables. Josh, can you talk about that for me?
2: Sure. Uh, There are five issues which we as Catholics recognize as what we call non-negotiables. And that term was actually coined by Catholic Answers, uh, the term non-negotiable. And there are five life issues, which we call them non-negotiable because the church teaches that all of these things are intrinsically evil in that a Catholic under no circumstances ever can approve of these things. There are no situations in which they would ever be allowed. What are the five non-negotiables? Well, first to list them and then we can go ahead and, and discuss them in more in depth. But the first one is abortion. The second one, euthanasia. The third, fetal or embryonic stem cell research. The fourth, cloning, human cloning. And the fifth, homosexual marriage, and also classified as homosexual unions. And those are what we consider the five non-negotiables, those issues which we as Catholics cannot ever support under any circumstances.
0: Wow. Now – Okay, there's a lot there, and it seems like the, all that is really bad and negative. And, where's a Catholic to start?
2: Well, you know, first of all, um, as I've said before, what a Catholic has to do is look at these issues and look at where a particular candidate, first of all, stands on these issues. Um, when you look at the candidates – Obviously, they're going to be they're going to stand on different points of different issues. Um, with re- the two issues, I think that are really at the forefront for us, or should I say, the three of these five issues that are really at the forefront for us as Catholics, especially right now, that are in this uh, issues with this election, is number one, abortion, uh, because we know that the candidates stand on very different issues regarding abortion. I think the second major issue. Uh, which we have to really look at is uh, embryonic stem cell research, and the third one, which I think is probably uh, just as it 's on the same I think equal footing uh, as with regards to uh, its its forefront in this election, is homosexual marriage and homosexual unions, because if you want to look at ultimately what all of these point to are the breakdown of of life and family in the culture of death in the world today. And while abortion is very important, all of these other issues are just as weighty as abortion. And as I've pointed out over and over and over, that when you start looking at abortion… If we accept a candidate's view on abortion, then before long, as a society, we're accepting euthanasia. We're accepting fem- fetal stem cell research. They all build upon one another. And so if you start to accept one, then the rest just kind of uh, start tumbling down after. And so we as Catholics have a a real uh, – are at a real crux with regards to this election year because we're at a, a real turning point. We're at a crossroads, and it's specifically with regards to the issue of abortion. Do we do we take this, this instance to say that we're going to turn the tide or do we want to continue to progress – As a culture of death, it's allowing the other five, the other four, to become, uh, to become the status quo, and you know just to point out a quick statistics, a quick statistic. I'm talking about this in the United States. There are 65 million Catholics in the United States. The number of individuals who voted in the presidential election in 2000 were 111 million. Half of the if all if every Catholic would have voted, we would have made up more than half of the number of people who voted in that election. And if all Catholics voted according to the life issues, if all Catholics have voted according to church teaching, then at every every one of these elections the Catholic vote would be the the one which could return uh, and cancel out Roe v. Wade. And so that's something really to think about as we're coming up uh, to this crux and regarding these five life issues.
0: Hey, Adam. Now, I know a lot of Catholics out there who have somehow said to me that they have a clear conscience in voting for pro-abortion candidates. How is this possible?
1: Um... I think it's possible because they—they, they, um, uh, I was on the Kurt Jester blog, and uh, he jokingly, because you know he puts a lot of satire, saying he put uh, instructions for how to vote for a candidate as a Catholic, and he went up and says uh, pick your candidate was number one, uh, um, uh, kind of pretty much he kind of puts it as you know warp the teachings of the church so that you can you know vote whoever you want in good conscience. And I think people put first of who they want, and then they try to figure out a way to legalize it um, in context of what the church teaches.
0: But aren't um? It, it has a, but aren't all the other issues like, for example, the death penalty? That, that's you know that's taking away an opportunity for that person to come back to salvation. Isn't that just as important as taking the innocent lives in abortion?
1: It is. Is but uh, the, the we need to know about uh, um, the intrinsic evils is that that there's an order to them and and that uh, the right to life is number one. And if Pope John Paul II's uh, uh, epistle, the the Gospel of Life, he talks about how everything falls apart if you, if the right to life is doesn't come first, everything falls out of order. It's all disorder
0: now josh basically okay i okay i see the five non-negotiables i hear the church saying you know okay all these are intrinsic evils and we have to weigh them all and abortion is really really important Mm -hmm. so is there no way for me as a faithful catholic to look past this abortion issue i mean what have the bishops said about this
2: well you know the bishops have said said a lot about this in fact uh Bishop Martino of the diocese I, – I know I'm going to get this wrong. It's um, – let's see. He's a—he's Bishop of the diocese. I want to say it's Newark, but I know it's – maybe it is Newark. Um, he came out with a pastoral letter or it's actually it was for Respect Live Sunday whenever he came out with his letter where he speaks about uh, – that's what it is. It's Scranton. Thank you. Um, came out for Respect Live Sunday. Whenever he spoke about uh, this specifically voting life issue, and he came out very hard speaking about these life issues and talking about the difference. In fact, uh, another letter with the bishops have said uh, Bishops Van and uh, Bishop Kevin Van and uh, Bishop Kevin Farrell of um, the dioceses of Fort Worth and Dallas have written a pastoral letter, a joint pastoral letter, in which both of those bishops said that no individual can vote for someone who supports one of these life issues, uh, that supports one of these issues in which we consider intrinsic evil. Now, you know, one of the questions that, uh, that people often ask me about this issue of Uh, of life issues, the very thing you just brought up was, you know, what about capital punishment? And when we look at the life issues, we see that, first of all, there are what the church teaches are intrinsic evils. And something being intrinsically evil is that it's something which can never be tolerated under any circumstances at the core of what it is. It causes harm to life. With regard to the death penalty, it's something completely different because it is not an intrinsically evil thing. The church has always taught that the state has the right to defend itself just as an individual has a right to defend itself from harm, and if the state judges, for example, that they cannot they cannot find means to um, to house a prisoner. And keep them from harming society. In other words, the, the potential for that individual to harm society is greater than the harm, in a sense, that of putting that individual to death that the, that the society can, if need be, use capital punishment, but only in those circumstances in which every other method has been exhausted. And that's what's very important too because another thing that is often brought up in, uh, to me by other Catholics is if you remember the last presidential election, he wasn't pope yet. Cardinal Radzinger wrote a letter in which he said that an individual could, it could theoretically vote for a candidate who was pro-abortion – but Cardinal Ratzinger noted, as long as you weren't voting for that candidate because he was pro-abortion, and that argument is of, often used to say, "Oh, I can vote for a candidate who is pro-abortion, but I'm not vo- because I'm not voting for them." But Cardinal Ratzinger said, "With proportionate reasons." Now, what was Cardinal Ratzinger talking about specifically? He's talking about if a voter is placed in a situation in which you have a candidate who is completely against all of the five non-negotiables, and you've got another candidate who is only in favor of abortion. You've got these two candidates. What Cardinal Ratzinger was saying is you can vote for the candidate who is pro-abortion because he's obviously much less of a threat – he is, what, as what Thomas Aquinas would call the lesser evil, the greater good, as in, in his theme, the, the Summa Theologica, in question 47 of part three, where he mentions that an individual has to choose the lesser evil or the greater good when placed in that situation. And that's what Cardinal Ratzinger was specifically talking about when he made that statement. Not what some individuals like to, to use that to justify voting, Uh, for a candidate who supports one of these five non-negotiables.
0: Adam, now recently, I think in the past week, we've seen a couple of key professors who are good Catholics, uh, you know, well, you know, intended Catholics, have come out and with one, a book for sure, but other in bold public statements saying that they, in good conscience, can vote for, you know, Barack Obama being a very pro-choice Uh, Candidate. In fact, I I think most people would classify him as uh, one of the most radical uh, pro-abortion rights uh, candidates we've seen in recent times. Now, Adam, what's the church's response on this, and how do we deal with that?
1: Well, first of all, that showed the the extent to how radical uh, Senator Obama is. you know, if you don't search it on YouTube, you can eventually find it. When he was uh, asked about, he was making a comment about uh, abortion and everything, and he had made a comment that kind of came to the, you know, pretty much was stated uh, that if his uh, daughters became pregnant or, or you know were fooling around or whatever, he wouldn't want them to be puni- wouldn't want them to be punished for a mistake. And and one of the things that I was sitting there thinking is that I don't know of any grandparent that would consider th- their grandchild. A punishment mm-hmm. and and I think it really helps show the context of, of where he's coming from mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it, is that he 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 I honestly I don't know why he would think to that extent I don't understand the frame of thinking for that uh, uh, but it just shows how far to the left he is um, right. when it comes to that but as to as to the uh, the college professors um, why they would, why they would look at this and say, "Well, well, I can still vote for this and be in good conscience." Um, I, I think it once again comes to being disordered that, that of, of because some of the points they make are valid, um, they are good concerns. Uh, we are obligated to look at all of the issues, to look at all the intrinsic. But it's about um, putting other ones above. The other ones. Um, Mm -hmm. In uh, paragraph 17 from the U.S. Bishop's Conscience for Faithful Citizenship, um, it says, uh, uh, members to address political and social questions by helping them to develop a wealth. Catholics have a serious and lifelong obligation to form their conscience in accordance with human reason and teachings of the church. Conscience, and I think this is where they kind of, kind of, it gets hazy where they kind of forget about is that they say conscience is not something that allows us to justify doing whatever we want to do, mm-hmm. nor is it a mere feeling about what we should or shouldn't do. And I think that, um, uh, a lot of people with very good intentions, um, are sure. and, and, and justify something that they already have preconceived that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, I I can understand that, and and there is some validity to it, but it's how far are you willing to take that justification? You know, Uh, and
0: I was just going to also point out too that one of the points that that they're making is they feel that um, the war, the battle on abortion has been lost. And therefore the legal battle for abortion has been lost, and therefore
2: they can move on. Josh, what do we do with that? Yeah, well, you know, and something you know they talk about this. They talk about they believe that the the uh the bo- the battle for abortion is ended and it's you know, it's lost and that we can move on. Ultimately, the war isn't lost. Um you know, it's not it's not lost until Christ comes for a second time. Until then we're fighting the battle. I mean, we could use that excuse and say, "Well, you know what?" You know, I'm age 30, and you know, I'm I'm still sinning, and I haven't conquered sin yet. So therefore, the battle is over. I'm just not even going to try anymore, and I can do whatever I want. That's horse hockey, and it's a complete cop out. Uh, With regards to that, now with regards to the issue of conscience, and this is what I keep trying to tell people over and over, is that they'll say, "Well, you know what? My conscience tells me that I can do this, and the church teaches that I can't violate my conscience." This is true that ultimately church teaching says that one can never violate his or her conscience. But first of all, we have to form our conscience according to the teachings of the church. Second of all, conscience, in, in, to sound you know, negative in a sense, but conscience is not something that is primarily meant to tell us what we're allowed to do, but something that is that is there to tell us what shouldn't be done when something is wrong to not do it and so the church's teaching says that if you're is what really it's regarding is if your conscience is telling you you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that don't violate it it's not saying well if your conscience tells you it's go it, it's okay to go out with a you know a shotgun mm-hmm. and shoot someone in the forehead then you can go ahead and do that that's the that's 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 the distinction that has to be made. Is that conscience is primarily to tell us when we shouldn't do something, when something is contrary to God's law, not to tell us when we're uh, necessarily when we're, when we, we can we can do something.
0: You know what I thought was interesting? One, 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 one more. Th-
2: Go ahead, Adam.
1: Thing uh, comment there on uh, what Joshua was talking about is that it, it also in the document that the, the forming conscience for faithful citizenships uh, for citizenship that the bishops put out earlier this year. It, it, uh, in uh, the very last line of paragraph 18, the bishops say that Catholics must understand that if they fail to form their conscience, that they can make erroneous judge. Um, um, don't, don't want to, they, they throw that out the window. They think that if will i um, like I'm um, voting my conscience so so whatever I vote is is, is it's all good and, and that they if they're doing if their conscience isn't well formed that that they still are guilty of of an erroneous call because they didn't form their conscience right.
0: Yeah, it actually says faithfully, or says finally, prayerful reflection is essential to discern the will of God. Catholics must also understand that if they fail to form their conscience, They can make erroneous judgments, and I think that's very important. But you know what I thought was funny about the whole statement of "I thought I feel the legal battle for abortion is over, as we've lost it, therefore Mm -hmm. we need to consider other intrinsic evils." Well, what sort of struck me most about that was two things: one, the "I" in there was, you know, very critical. At some, Mm -hmm. it's like. Well, I've decided I've declared, you know, uh, who am I, who am I to declare such a thing? I mean, you think that should come from on top. And to the second point, I don't know of a single, you know, uh, bishop who's declared that the legal battle for abortion is over and therefore, okay, come down off those prayer chains. Let's end the 40 days for life campaign. Everybody stop praying those rosaries because we've lost the battle. I don't know a single mm-hmm. one that said that. And if no bishops are saying that, no matter how bleak it might appear, should we uh, make such decisions? And are we allowed to? Are we? Can we make? Can we allow that to be the the thing that gets us out of voting um, according to the church's teaching on voting for the pro life candidate versus the pro abortion candidate? Adam.
1: Um. Yeah. I, I uh, Nicholas Gaffardi. He's a. Uh, uh, law professor down at uh, Duquesne University. Um, he, used to, he used to be on the, the uh, board of trustees at Franciscan University in Steubenville. and publicly supported Obama with, and had a commentary in uh, the National Catholic Reporter. And just to, uh, uh, I just finished and put out a podcast uh, pretty much pointing out some of the issues I have with this one. Um, so if you want to swing over to MotherGodPodcast.com, um, you know, you can uh, hear my whole refute. But uh, when he's t- saying that, um, I, I believe I, he says, I believe we have lost the Actually, it, it makes it obsolete. It, it's like saying, I know it's an intrinsic evil, but it doesn't really hold to the gravity that it does because it doesn't matter. We've already lost. Who cares? And And that's – that's completely um it goes against church teaching because the church tells us that that uh we need to dig our feet in we need to, we need to uh you know get other people involved we need to uh constantly get in their face and and do all those kind of things you just you need we especially pray um but in his in his article though uh uh nicholas kafardi um he later on tries to talk about how uh, senator obama's uh issues. Why want to bring bring the uh, uh, abortion count down? Uh, just for a whole nother rant. I mean, it just makes no sense to say I'm going to vote for the pro pro uh, pro choice and the guy that's for pro life. Mm-hmm. But he, when he says, you know, I believe that we have uh, we have lost the abortion battle permanently. But then later on in his uh, article, he comments that if you continue on, he, he said he he mentions how um, overturning Roe versus Wade would not end. Uh, uh, abortion, and he's, he just comments how it would kick back to the states. For Obama, he says that um, um, uh, overturning Roe v.ersus Wade is not the only way to end abortion. So he contradicts himself later on in his article because if if uh, uh, overturning Roe v.ersus Wade is not the only way, that means it is a way, and, and it just shows how how he's some some people are trying to just to their own position.
0: Adam, you make some good points. and Unfortunately, your bandwidth is a little bit sketchy, so you're coming and going out. And so unfortunately, I think we're missing some of what you're talking about. But Josh, you know, staying on to this point here, Archbishop Chaput, this past week, actually, I think it was August, October the 18th, he came out and spoke very bluntly about this whole issue. And one of the couple of points that he made that I thought were pretty critical that I think we should touch on here were one, you, you know, it's funny how they try to get Catholics to shut up and not offer their two cents mm-hmm. in the. In the political game, when we talk against their position, but when they find some Catholic or, you know, who talks in favor of their position, they want all the sound bites they can get. So there is a real bullying action going on. I thought that was a pretty critical mm-hmm. point, you know, and then he talks more specifically about how this issue could really set back. Thirty years of blood, sweat, and tears, and I'm not exaggerating on the blood part yeah. of work of pro-lifers and lost children in this in this fight. Now, so there's the statement that says, "Well, I believe the the legal battle for abortion is lost."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if it's like that's that almost seems like a, 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 a like a mechanism to sort of put the nail in the coffin
2: and sort of undo all the work that's been done.
0: Is that actually the case?
2: Yeah, you know, I really think so, because, you know, for the most part, for the last eight years or so, George Bush has been mostly supportive of the pro-life uh, initiative. You know, at the, the the March for Life, he's he's actually, you know, spoken to uh, those there and sent a message and was able to speak to them over loudspeaker and telephone and, and give them his blessing. And... I don't think we'd ever see that from such a from from uh from Obama as as president. And Archbishop Chaput really makes some um some made some really sharp remarks about Obama that I thought were interesting, calling him the most committed abortion rights candidate from a major party in 35 years. And that he called him, he said that uh, that democratic friendly catholic groups by supporting him were doing a major disservice. To the church, um, you know. He also he also said to suggest, as some Catholics do, that Senator Obama is this year's real pro life candidate. Um, th- th- is this is this year's real pro life candidate requires a peculiar kind of self hypnosis, hypnosis, or moral confusion, or worse? Uh, and it was said that he titled this his remarks "Little Murders," and so. Um, Archbishop Chaput came out very clearly that um, you know Obama is you know a, a really bad individual and is a real problematic and even came out uh, as a private citizen and said as a private citizen I don't think that a Catholic can vote for Obama and uh, be be morally clear.
1: Archbishop Chaput also said uh, in that in a document, when that really stuck out to me and went to my heart was that he said quote, "So I think that people struggle is lost as a matter of law or that supporting an outspoken defender of legal abortion is somehow pro-life are not just wrong, they're betraying the witness of every person who continues the unborn child, and I hope they know how to explain that because something that someday they'll be required to and you know, that, that that one just really Struck on to me because it, it, it is, it's just a place it, to all the work, all the that that we've been trying to do for 2,000 years to end abortion.
0: You know, the Archbishop also goes, he, let's be clear here, let's just make sure we point out that he starts his statements off with what he calls his litany to the IRS you know saying <laughs> that th- this he's speaking as a private citizen he's not speaking on behalf of his sure. diocese or anything like that whatsoever he's speaking as a private citizen and that's the same luxury and pr- privilege that we're speaking tonight and um sure you know and, and I think he, he he's pretty critical here and he reinforces the concept that he says, quote, "Professor Kimmick argues that there are defensible motives to support Senator Obama. Speaking for myself, I do not know any proportionate reason that could outweigh more than 40 million unborn children killed by abortion and the many millions of women deeply wounded by the loss and regret abortion causes." He even goes on to, to mm-hmm. even quote um, the Cardinal up in Chicago." Cardinal Francis George, and how Cardinal Francis George points out that we've sort of lost our connection with abortion. We've sort of lost what it, what's really going on. We've sort of lost with the idea that children are being literally torn from their mother's womb. And if you need any convincing of this, go and Google Silent Scream. And on mm-hmm. YouTube, or I'm sure it's all over YouTube, but it's it's out there. And you can actually see firsthand video footage of an abortion from the inside of the womb. If that does not um, turn you upside down in this battle, I don't know what will. But I just want to point out that this cardinal says that we've lost that idea and that babies are dying 4,000 plus alone in the United States every single day. And because we've lost that, we've lost the idea that we are drenched in blood right now. Adam, go ahead.
1: Um, one of the things that uh, I think some people might say, well, they're just, you know, the, you know uh, Archbishop Chaput and, and everybody else, they're just speaking. It's their opinion. They're just speaking as private citizens. Well, so are these other people. And the, the big thing to understand is that, well, for one, the bishops are going to know the, the, the faith a lot more because they have, they have, have a vocation from God Almighty. To explain and defend and and to shepherd the flock, and, and um, that like Nicholas Confardi, he he uh, his commentary he points out that he's a canon lawyer and that he was on the, the the U.S. bishops national review board on clergy sexual abuse to kind of give his credentials, and the the thing is is that for for one thing, it's not his job to explain to other people what what uh, the church teaches; mm-hmm. that it is the job of the bishop. <laughs> Seen as private citizens is that the bishops can back up mm. what they say by church teaching because yeah. they are in line and where these others aren't. They're, and, they're just trying to – And you, you know – Like uh, – go ahead. You know, Adam,
2: what I find very interesting in this whole issue is uh, Cathari who says he's a canon lawyer but yet is expe- is, is opposing the bishops on these – on what – This isn't. He's coming out, proclaiming himself as, you know, this is, that I am a teacher. But it's funny, he's a canonist, and yet code of canon law itself teaches that there are, that there is one authentic teacher of the faith, and those are the bishops. And that's what's very interesting in all of this, is that, you know, as a canonist, you've got to realize that it's not you who is authentic teacher, of the faith, it's as the Code of Canon Law says, that the, ultimately it is the bishop who is the teacher of the faith, the authentic teacher of the faith in his diocese. You, what, are you
0: trying well, to I tell think, me, I think Josh, it's just like the- that he
2: wasn't given the keys to the kingdom? <laughs> you know, as much as he might think so, and as much as, you know, he's got about as much authority to teach in the church as I do. You know, ultimately, the only teaching authority I have is that when I'm in communion of w- with what the bishops say. <laughs> you know, that's what, that's the, the issue uh, at hand is we can't make ourselves our own pope as, uh, as, you know, what's happening here. We can come out with our opinion on something, but ultimately, if we're not in communion with what the church teaches, then we're not really teaching. Adam, now, this brings a point to my mind, the
0: one that sort of came up for me just recently— in in discussing this issue, what right do we have to try to be audacious enough to tell people that the church is telling them that they're wrong, that these Catholics can't in good conscience vote for someone like Obama, given the circumstances? Well, Adam, wh- where do we get off?
1: Well, I think everybody has a right to, to, to question authority uh, as it is as a whole, but within the right context. I think if, if you want to question it and be like, I'm pope. You know, I think it's there's a there's a word that we never hear anymore, and that's heresy or heretic, mm-hmm. and 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 schism, stuff like that. It, well, that that hasn't happened since Luther. You know, I, I think people just don't want to admit that they could be wrong, but also they also don't want to admit that they don't fully understand the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that they, that over here in the West, that there's so much uh, it, so much is put so much emphasis is put on your emotions. And and what what feels right and and how does that make you feel? Is that because they understand or or they they know that something else is intrinsically evil, and they're like, well, how, how is that going mm-hmm. into and and really going into to understand it like like one needs to, um, that they just put their two cents on off some talking they learned and then think that they they can do whatever they want, but they have no authority. If I go and say that I can go do this, you know, like I can go and vote for the for the pro-choice guy um, because, well, I, I don't like this or I don't like that about the, the, the pro-life guy, um, I, I, I'm in heresy. I, I am – I, you know, I could be guilty of scandal also, especially if I go public and try to encourage others too, and people don't want to think that they could be guilty of it.
0: You know, I think this brings us to another critical point here. What is at stake – Josh, what I would like to do is I'd like to f- talk about what's at stake for these Catholics who can who claim that they can vote in good conscience for a pro-death candidate when a pro-life candidate is available. So, what's the definition of heresy and
2: and what's at stake for these people? Well, you know, the the uh, the Catholic Encyclopedia actually says that the term heresy is It denotes a choice and a thing chosen, uh, and it is narrow to the selection of religious or political doctrines by individuals, and so it's a denial of uh, of some kind of – something central to the faith. Whether it be a doctrine or a dogma, something that Catholics are obliged as Catholics to believe in, heresy is the denial of of that. Even though an individual has been corrected, and so what these individuals have before them is a real, really something to answer for, because ultimately, remember, the keys to the kingdom of heaven were given to to Peter and and. Scripture tells us
1: clearly
2: that um, I give you the keys to the kingdom of of heaven. Whatever you declare on bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you declare loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so, ultimately, the authority is to the church. Now, I I don't want to ever be so bold as to say the church is wrong. The church doesn't know what she's talking about. The bishops, the authentic teachers of the faith, when, when brought together in communion with one another, teach authentically. And the church also teaches whenever bishops as a college speak together with the pope, they teach infallibly. I don't remember there ever being a case where it says – Joe Blow from off the street when he gets together with his friends can teach infallibly. No, it can't, it doesn't happen. The only thing I could teach infallibly is whenever I say something that the bishops have said infallibly. So we can't, as 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 lay individuals, we don't teach as the bishops teach. They teach infallibly whenever they teach together, unified with the Pope. And so you know, I really don't want to be in the shoes of individuals who make themselves their own pope come Judgment Day, because ultimately, when you go against the authority of Peter, I think we're going to have a lot to answer for.
0: Is there grave moral matter in this, Adam?
1: Yes, I, there's no way around that. Um, one, one of the things that kind of co- t- just comment there on what Josh was talking about. Um, I think one of the big things that that kind of influences it is, you know I'm not trying to you know uh, really call on it, you know, I respect my uh, non-catholic Christian brothers. and but um when it comes to Catholic faith, their uh, philosophy on how to go about faith influences a number of Catholics and and I think that they think that, uh, well, well, there there's so many people that I know that that they they read their Bible, they pray about it, and then they whatever they conclude. Is, is that's what's right. That's what they got to do. And the Catholic church has never taught that to, to that, to that full extent is that the church is there to guide us and, and is there to tell us what we, when we're wrong. And people don't want to be told that they're wrong.
0: You know, but it's, it, 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 it's funny because Kurt Jester's making a, a, a comment here on Ustream saying that as one person said, there are plenty of people who think they have vocations to the, to the papacy, to the, to be pope. You know, this is so yeah. true. I mean, to, a good analogy, I think, for that is I claim to be the president of the United States. I even have senators who say that I'm president of the United States. Does that make me president? Well, of course not. That's just silliness. And the same is true <laughs> for the pope. And there have been anti-popes in history with cardinals who backed up their anti-popes. But that doesn't make them popes, now does it? And so I think it's that common sense that I think everybody needs to understand as Catholics maybe hear about these kinds of professors, for example, or Catholics in their workplace, Catholics at their church, Catholics all around them who, who are sort of confused on this issue and think that they have the right to go against what the church is teaching. Do we have, we've been given free choice, right? Free will. God has given us not choice, but free will. But isn't that will to do the right thing? He's given us the will mm-hmm. so that we can do the right thing, not by coercion, right. but by but by our own freedom. You know, we isn't that true, Adam?
1: Yes, yes. I mean, it, it begs the question, well, how do we know what is the right thing to do? That's why he gave us the church. I think people just want to – people think, well, I got my I, – I, I can rationalize stuff. I can do this. I can do that. I can figure it out my own way. No, want to you know why? Because God knows that we can be fools at times. You know, uh, he knows that we can fall into sin and be so entrenched in certain sins that we cannot even see, you know, clearly at all, and and that to 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 sit there and say that well, well I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm, you know, I know what's right, it it, it is very pompous and, 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 and it lacks humility and on every level to sit there and say that uh, I know more than what the, than what Jesus Christ founded to help guide me to heaven.
0: Josh, so where does this leave us? What are we to do? If we know Catholics who have this issue, we've said it has grave moral matter here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say something that's going to sound silly, but I'm doing it for a reason. Is it better to not instruct them of the true teaching of the church so that they don't have to worry about a mortal sin? Or are we obligated to instruct these people knowing that they're probably still going to make the same decision.
2: Well, you know, the ostrich in the, the, it's head in the sand syndrome is never the way to go. I mean, is it better to, uh, to tell someone who's about to get hit by a train that a train's coming or, uh, is it better to not tell them so they don't know they're about to get hit? I mean, the point is they're still going to get hit by the train. Uh, (laughs) Um, the the issue with regards to this situation uh you know we have an obligation as catholics to first of all not be silent on this issue whenever we know that someone is uh is is committing a sin or for better effect, not to to use the 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 word necessarily a sin because you know if they're not aware of the teachings of the church we know they're not culpable for that but it is our job that to you know as the, the corporal works of mercy to instruct the ignorant to tell those who may not know uh what the church teaches to teach them what the church teaches and instruct them on what the church teaches why because if we don't do that then we become uh in a sense uh assists we we assist them in their sin uh, i mean it's no different than in the court of law uh, that if someone is shoplifting or someone is committing murder, and you know they're about to commit murder, and you never say anything to try and stop them, and that you can be convicted as an accomplice, the same to us as Catholics. If we know that someone is about to do something sinful that we just considered objectively sinful, and we don't say anything and we just sit back and be quiet, then we, in a sense, are co-conspirators? With those individuals and assisting them in their sin, and we're just as guilty as they are, if not more so, because we know the truth and we know what it what the church teaches on such a fact. And so, not only uh, should we instruct those individuals who don't know, but we have a moral obligation under we're all under the same the pain of serious sin if we don't instruct those individuals and bring them. Uh, into the light of the truth
1: you know if god wanted us to be if god wanted us to be ignorant of truth um you can go back to you can go look in in, and into you know his his, the the bible if he wanted us to be ignorant he would have never given the jews the law to begin with Mm -hmm. he gave them the law so they knew what they were doing wrong granted he also talks about how the law couldn't save them but the purpose of the law was so that they would know what is right and what is wrong If he didn't want us to know what is right and what is wrong and to change that, he he wouldn't have started with the Jews.
0: You know, that's a good point, too. And I've heard it said that Obama is the pro-life choice. And this is another (laughs) – this is another reasoning for Catholics to vote for Obama versus McCain. Now, what do we know about these two candidates? We know – I don't think it can be disputed that Obama is clearly for abortion rights. So he is what we would call a pro-death candidate simply because abortion kills. What about McCain? Mm -hmm. Now, we know McCain, that he he votes pro-life. However, there are some issues with him that uh, I I would say he's not the perfect pro-life candidate. Would you agree, Josh? Oh
2: I would definitely agree uh because of, specifically I'm thinking uh you know he has said that if he is elected president that he would not have a problem appointing uh to the Supreme Court judges who are uh who support Roe versus Wade uh he said that he stands on an individual's abilities to uh or whether they're qualified for such a position, than whether than a litmus test for where they stand morally on such a position, and I think that's problematic, um, because first of all, if you're not going to, I realize McCain isn't Catholic. He was born Episcopalian, and is now practicing Baptist, but from a Catholic point of view, we believe that our Catholicity permeates every point of our ex, our being. It, it's part of our essence of, of who we are at baptism. Ontologically, we are changed, and so our Catholicism isn't something we can separate. And so to say that we could appoint someone who is, who, uh, is contrary to the beliefs we hold isn't something that a Catholic could aspire to. And so uh, obviously McCain isn't the um, the hundred percent pro a hundred percent pro-life candidate he doesn't inv- value uh, completely uh, what the Catholic vote does but does he do so more than Obama uh, i I think that's a definite you know hands down yes that he is uh that he he definitely embodies that more um, just because um, o- Obama has never uh, McCain has never said uh, things like uh, a child referring to a child as a punishment. He's never said that he's going to uh, to enact legislation which would make abortion legal in all circumstances. Um, I think when you look at it, a, a Obama is a real problem that we have to we're, that we have to deal with. And even though McCain isn't ideal, again, I point to Thomas Aquinas who talks about the constant man and says that the constant man deals with the lesser evil. Because of his fear of the greater evil, and he says the inconstant man deals – votes – well, he's not talking about voting, but he says deals with the lesser evil for fear of the – deals with the greater evil for fear of the lesser. And so we want to be that constant man, not the inconstant man as Aquinas refers to. And also on this this same subject that I have to mention real quickly is there's – people also say, well, what about the third option of not voting at all? I think that is utterly ridiculous, first of all, because the United States bishops have constantly referred to voting not only being a right and a privilege but being a responsibility. And I think ultimately that whenever you don't vote, that – the, the idea comes to my mind of Christ who said, I would rather you be hot or cold rather than you be lukewarm. And in my mind, saying that I'm not voting is the same as saying I really don't care and is the ultimate in lukewarmness.
0: There you have it. Part one, Voting Catholic stick around because part two is coming up next make sure you download that and listen to that like i said this is critical critical conversation now if you got feedback send it to me catholichack at gmail.com you can reach out and give me a phone call at 713-568-6277 Make sure you're visiting the website at www.catholichack.com at 713-568-6277. Part 2 is up next. So remember, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. Until next time, God bless.
1: SQPN, the best in Catholic podcasting.